So good afternoon, everybody. It really is a gift to see for the first time in such a long time the church full like it is. So welcome, everybody, to the beginning of our Triduum. In a special way, we want to welcome Father Champagne and the members of the community of Jesus Crucified. Father Champagne, I was here before, uh, he had offered to preach today. <laughs> But I said, Divine Mercy Sunday is in a week and a half, but we're going to start celebrating it now, and I'm going to preach instead. <laughs> so it's good to have Father there. So, so usually I, I try to have a theme to my preaching in the course of the Triduum, and the hope that those who would attend all three of the liturgies would treat it as sort of a retreat, the ability to enter into the depth of the mystery. And, and so I prayed a lot about what I was going to talk about, or what the theme of this year's Triduum was going to be. A number of different ideas, but I decided I wanted to focus on the reality of Christ's Triduum, Paschal Mystery, seen in the light of him leaving. Jesus would be leaving to ascend and to heaven 40 days after he rose from the dead. And so Jesus, of course, having this departure in mind, chose to leave us, the church, his followers, certain gifts, certain things that we possess as Christians and as Catholics in the church. And so today we celebrate Holy Thursday, and it should be pretty obvious. The gift, the most precious gift that Jesus gives us is the Eucharist. The Eucharist, not, not a sacred thing, not an object, but its very self, body, blood, soul, and divinity under the appearance of bread and wine, something which is so radically different in the history of religions. You study sort of comparative mythologies and comparative religions, you'll see that most of the pagan cultures had sacrifices they offered to their gods. And a lot of the times those sacrifices were food. The Greeks would pour out the libation to the gods and roast the roasted flesh, and the scent would rise up to God. In Hinduism, there are different fruits that are offered to the different gods, but that's not the way it is for Christianity. Instead of us coming up with some sort of food to satiate the hunger of our God, our God chooses to feed us. He reverses it in a way that we really don't see in other religions, not just feeding us with food, like manna from the desert, but feeding us with his own flesh. However, unlike the manna of the desert, where he sort of fed his people directly with the manna, he does not give us this gift directly. We don't receive the gift of the Eucharist that sort of descends down from heaven. Instead, his divine choice is to give us the gift of the Eucharist through the gift of the sacred ministerial priesthood. And Christ chooses to give us the gift of the Eucharist through the gift of the priesthood. And so that's the gift that I sort of really want to focus on today. The gift of the Eucharist, yes, but more importantly, as it is tied to the reality of the priesthood. 
which we also celebrate today. The day when Jesus gathered with the apostles in the upper room and, yes, instituted the Eucharist, but we also believe ordained them as the first priests. And so it is a great day to celebrate priesthood. Priest of the diocese gathered earlier today in the cathedral with the bishop for the chrism mass. And so I could go on today about the glory of the priesthood. And the apostles of the first priest and their sacrifice and their witness and the gift of the priesthood throughout the history of the church. But I think that if we look at the apostles, these first priests chosen by Jesus, and we understand their lives, we may ask the question, why these idiots? Why did he choose these men? They're constantly messing up. Constantly misunderstanding Jesus, constantly getting in fights with each other, bickering and complaining, competing with each other. Peter, the biggest one of them all, the first pope, constantly putting his foot in his mouth. Jesus, in fact, says, get behind me, Satan. Even in today's gospel, he decides to argue with Jesus. It's consistent. Later tonight, he's going to cut off somebody's ear. He's going to deny knowing Jesus three times. Judas is going to betray him. His close friend stabbing him in the back. In the Garden of Gethsemane, they all fall asleep when Jesus needs them most. And finally, all except for John, they flee when he is taken away. That's a pretty terrible track record of choosing priests. And this is within a couple of hours of their ordination. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> that wasn't supposed to be funny. It's just true. <laughs> but these are the ones he chose. These are his gift to the church. Nothing fancy. Imperfect, broken, sinful. He calls them to be priests. But what's more, he calls them friends. He's not just taking some jokers off the streets. These are individuals he lived and ate and worked and traveled with for three years. They were his close friends. And he realized, if you pay attention to John's gospel and the high priestly prayer, that they were the Father's gift to him. He was thankful for the gift. But sometimes you've got to understand or wonder... What were you doing giving me these guys? You give me the broken gift. You're giving me these guys, I want to return them the next day. But no, he was so thankful for that gift, even though he understood better than anyone else their imperfections and their flaws. And so that's the mystery or the irony, to give us his most precious gift, perfect body, blood, soul, and divinity, his, his exact essence there, his substance, under the appearances of bread and wine, he chooses imperfect vessels, imperfect instruments. We can ask Father Stephen, Father Champagne, not about if I'm imperfect, we already know that, but <laughs> the fact that priests are not perfect, but yet he chooses us. He still chooses Men to be priests today. None of us are immaculately conceived. 
Throughout the history of the church, he has chosen men who were imperfect, but not just imperfect sinners. Some of them very big sinners, criminals, arch enemies, and some for the highest positions in the church. The imperfection of priests, whether it be ourselves or others, the hierarchy in the church, we are all very aware of it as priests. In other priests, and also hopefully in ourselves. There's no excuse for bad behavior. There's no excuse for criminal, criminality. But so often people are shocked when priests aren't, imper- or aren't perfect. And it's great that we want to live up to a standard, but they're shocked to find out that priests, the ones who bring us the gift of the Eucharist, are not angels descended from heaven. One of the great Catholic authors of all time, Flannery O'Connor, wrote a letter to someone who was complaining to her about the, the hierarchy of the church and the way that they taught or behaved. She said, in her usually very acute and direct way, quote, Christ was crucified on earth and the church is crucified by all of us, by our members most particularly, because she is the church of sinners. Christ never said that the church would be operated in a sinless or intelligent way, but that it would not teach error. The church is founded on Peter who denied Christ three times and couldn't walk on water by himself. You're expecting successors to walk on the water. Can't. Father would like to walk on the water because he might get some better fishing places. But it's not going to happen. We can't walk on water. None of us are perfect. We all rely on the Lord's grace. And our our sinfulness, our weakness, that gap between the dignity of the office we're called to and our own personal holiness is something we all have to come to terms with. And you never stop coming to terms with it. Whether it be one year, five years, 10 years, 21 years, 25 or 26 years, And every day affords us the opportunity to come to terms with our own weakness and brokenness. I'll give you a perfect example. About two hours ago, I was coming back from running some errands, trying to park because I had to write all this out in about an hour before Mass started. I I thought of it before. This is not completely off the cuff. (laughs) And as I'm pulling up to the driveway, I see Father Stephen and another guy just parked in the driveway, not doing anything. And I got to get down to work, and I'm thinking, what is that idiot doing? Why is he stuck in the park, parking lot? So I drive around, park in the student union parking lot, get out, and come to find out it wasn't his fault. But there was another car there, literally just parked in the middle of the driveway. And all these stickers on it, and I go, what in the world is this doing here? I don't have time for this. You deal with it. Call UP. We're going to tow him. But as I'm walking to the house... This dude walks out, it's Papa John, it's the pizza guy. <laughs> I said, what are you doing? Why are you parking right in the middle of the roadway? Move your car. Oh, I didn't know I was doing it. It's so clear, move. <laughs> Don't think, think we're going to be ordering for Domino's from now on, probably. <laughs> Maybe the guy after uh, thought, well, oh, I'm never coming back to the church again because that priest lost his temper. I don't know. Every day, we get opportunities. The Lord probably said, Father, we need a funny story in this homily. I'm going to put that guy right there. (laughs) 
And we ask ourselves the same questions I'm sure the apostles asked themselves. Why did he pick us? Why put us in charge of things? And why keep us around time and time again when we mess up and sin? And I think there's only one answer. Besides the fact that Jesus loves us, is the same thing he told St. Paul. My power is made perfect in weakness. And through the humanity of the priest to bring us the gift of the Eucharist, the power of the Lord is highlighted in a way that if we were all filled with rosaries or angels or the Blessed Virgin Mary, you could not see the contrast. We strive for it. We want to be holy. But he can bring the perfection of the Eucharist through imperfect priests. And the truth is, none of the apostles or none of the priests are forced to serve. Jesus doesn't say, you are going to come follow me. Demand, we all have to say yes. We receive the call. We say yes, and God willing, it echoes throughout our entire priesthood. Sometimes it's loud, our yes. Sometimes it is barely a whisper. But thankfully, thankfully, there are men throughout the history of the church and today and perfect and as sinful as we are, who are willing to say yes and to call to serve to bring the gift of the Eucharist. Flannery O'Connor again, writing about the priesthood. She says, it is easy for any child to pick out the faults in the sermon on his way home from church every Sunday. It is impossible for him to find out the hidden love that makes a man In spite of his intellectual limitations, his neuroticism, his own lack of strength, give up his life in the service of God's people, however bumblingly he may go about it. I don't even understand. They don't understand. The Pope doesn't understand. But still, it's the reality. There are individuals who have and are still willing to say yes. Now, in conclusion... And this is not meant to be some sort of a defense of the priesthood or a pain to it. But to illustrate, I think, the theme of the triduum, of this idea of the gift that Christ leaves the church before he leaves, is the fact that the gifts he leaves are rarely packaged in a very neat way. They come tied to intimately with seeming imperfections or ironies, or things to the non-spirit-filled mind that do not make sense. And it's so easy for us, and believe me, I do it myself, to focus on these seeming imperfections, these inconsistencies, these ironies that don't make sense, and we're blind to the gift that's right in front of us. Because we focus on these things, the lacks, the scarcity, Instead of the fullness, we don't see how they're dependent or interdependent on each other. The Eucharist dependence on the priesthood, as glorious and as flawed as we are, is one of them. My hope is the next two installments to look at this reality, this irony, this paradox in a couple of other areas. 
And so as we've done, I try to encourage people who come to make this a mini-retreat, to take the time from now until Easter, and the vigil, we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord, as a time for prayer and a fasting and of entering deeply liturgically into the mystery. And so I'm going to give a little homework. Homework for myself, too. Homework for Father Champagne. I'm going to get him to make sure he writes this down. Y'all can quiz him later on. What are the ways in our own lives that we've missed God's gifts? The blessings that he has given to us because we're so focused on the things we don't like or the imperfections or the weakness or the sinfulness or the apparent flaws. The second thing is, please pray for us, all priests, as imperfect as we are, that we can live up to the calling that we've received. Particularly today, a great day to pray for priests. And also I encourage you to meditate briefly on another irony. That Christ's body in the Eucharist, as perfect as it is, is also broken. We receive it in a broken manner, the fraction right. And just like the priests who are broken, Christ's body in the Eucharist is broken, pointing to what we celebrate tomorrow, his broken body on the cross.